Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. G'day, my name is Mike Coleman and welcome to On The Mic. Today we have a very interesting man by the name of Brent Williams. He's an expert on team building, motivating people, focusing on success. He's a Gen Y expert and... He makes his own movies. A filmmaker. Welcome to On The Mic, Brent Williams. Thank you for having me. Good to see you, dude. You too. How's the movie making going? It's going, you know, like anything, I think uh, success is about staying in the race mm-hmm. and it's been a lifelong journey. And I think the last two years is really finally all the short films and mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, music videos and bits and pieces. You do corporate videos have come to fruition and now I'm making the leap into feature films. That's which so is, cool. Yeah, super are, you, are you allowed to talk about this uh, this one with Army Hammer or are we going to keep Look, that on the quiet? I, all, all I can say is that it's a, it's a very exciting feature film that we're looking to premiere at Cannes Film Festival this wow, year. There's cool. a lot of hype around it. It's about mm. the true story of the 2008 terror attacks in India mm, wow. where some terrorists basically seized uh, the Taj Hotel and the stories are really a su- story of survival mm. and hero is where the staff um, at the hotel rescue hundreds of guests from these terrorists. Mm. And I think what's great about the film, it's not a, these are terrorists and villains and these are the goodies. It's a very balanced approach that yeah. really focuses on the story about why these young people went and did this. Mm. You know, it wasn't necessarily about um, killing people or any uh, religious protests. It was just about them helping their family. And they were kind of brainwashed by the, the leaders of this kind was, of terrorism was it group. Al Qaeda or who no was it wasn't it was just so they wanted to get monies for their families yeah yeah and, and yeah. this terrorist group told yeah. them yeah and these kids right. going in there doing this they were there's a scene where they flush the toilet and they said what's this they don't even know what a toilet is you know no, and this is like and, is and I think what's great about the story is yeah. it just uh, it gives a more uh, balanced approach mm. which which I think is going to be very interesting yeah cool man well good luck with that That's yeah thank it. you sounds really exciting we'll yeah. get you back on the show so you can come in and have a chat about it once yeah, the movie comes for out for sure for sure uh, but the reason why we got you in here today yes. is to meet you and, and talk about uh, your incredible life where you're traveling around and you're, you're helping motivate uh, people and help us understand Gen Y and, and how they're working in today's society. Why are Gen Y so difficult? I think, oh, well, that's a big question. Because we don't, we don't really that. understand them because like uh, I'm a Generation X which is, uh, yeah, you might need to look that up, but 70s. <laughs> uh, I've had a lot of work done. I know I look great. Uh, so as opposed to someone who's Generation X and says, hey, show up at um, nine o'clock in the morning, you got to work. And yeah. Generation Y goes, I don't really work well at nine. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, I got to get up and have my Frappuccino latte with a twist of lemon. And then I got to message my friends and check my yeah. socials. And then I could probably get there by 1030. And yeah. they're like, Generation X bosses are like, what the fuck? This kid yeah. can't tell me what to do. Yeah. So how, how are people dealing with that kind of well, you know, very difficultly. I think there's a lot of people that will go in um, to companies and do uh, events on cultural change and talk about what drives a Gen Y person mm. versus a baby boomer in terms of what they want. You know, long gone are the days, and I speak about this with a lot of my teenage groups, long gone are the days where you go, right, I've got to save up money, get a deposit, get into my home mm. and pay off that home, and this is the uh, the Australian yeah. dream. Um, now it's just about, look, you know, it's unrealistic to get in a home now. I'm just going to blow my money on, on trips and travel and yeah. with 
technology, everything's about instant gratification. In, enjoying your life, getting out yeah. there. And, and that's why a lot of Gen Ys are, are creating businesses online that where they can just travel the world and starting yeah. these online businesses where Amazon's just going to ship the stuff from their shelves and yeah. they just run it from their phone. Yeah, completely leveraged. I mean, yeah. technology has changed the game. And in fact, I was speaking to my old high school principal a few months ago. Do you still speak to yours? Well, he... Mine's he, still tracking me down and trying to kill me. <laughs> He brought me and he wants me to, uh, and this is a really fun thing, he wants me to run a, a seminar for all the teachers on entrepreneurship mm. because he said that futurists are saying the next 20 to 30 years, 30% mm. um, of the workforce is going to be business owners. Mm. And so teachers who are employees can't really teach a student entrepreneurship if they're not an entrepreneur themselves. Yeah. So it's all about, yeah, leveraging your time. And uh, that's great. Technology means that we can be on holidays and traveling. Mm. I know some social media influencers that are making, you know, oh, five, ten thousand dollars a month. Um, on, on a lot of the reality TV shows I've worked on, these people go from having no followers on Instagram. They get on a TV show, mm. and their their following goes to like three, four, five hundred thousand, yeah. and they've just created a job for themselves. Yeah, like, yeah. They're, they're they're creating content and and traveling the world, and like yeah. they'll do a story on a resort one minute, and then a story on some skin mm. cream the next, and. They can easily turn that into you know, a few hundred thousand bucks a year. Yep. So the schools need to change because um, I feel like that the school the school system. I've been reading a few things about this on online of late. Um, the school system is is very archaic in the way it's training kids to to shut up in class and you know just just to try and keep up with what the teacher's saying. And there's some kids who will be bored in class because they already know what the teacher's talking about, and some kids are left behind because they don't know what the teacher's talking about. Mm. Um, and, so, and so they need to change the whole schooling system to, to work better with today's society, like ringing a bell. It's like uh, people are being trained to work in, in, a, in a factory and being told what to do. Mm. How, how, do how do we change that system? Because I don't feel like it, yeah. it is changing. Look, it's very hard. I mean, I, I remember it was in 2003, very early on, on my career, I was, I was attempting to create a new form of education around career guidance for high schools. Yeah. And I was, I was actually meeting with the federal government on a regular basis to mm. roll this out nationally. Um, and it all fell over because the, the Minister of Education at the time was Brendan Nielsen, mm. and he was going to sign off on this thing. And then he moved to defence and the whole thing fell over. Oh, so, no. you know, the red tape that always happens and I think the challenge with the education system is it's such a big thing to change who mm. takes responsibility because yeah. if you stuff it up you know you're the one who's got the noose around your neck so it certainly needs to change because technology is moving in a way that we are consuming information very differently mm. our attention span is shrinking I mean you know I don't know many people that would watch a video for more than five seconds mm. if it didn't grab them yeah. straight away mm. and so is the education uh, system matching the way in which young people are consuming information no and uh, got the attention span of an ant now yeah it's like there's so much happening on social media like yes no yes no yes no <laughs> and and like even now in this conversation you're probably starting to think oh what, on your facebook they're like what, what, <laughs> have that? i checked my twitter you yeah. know it, but it, it's it becomes hard to to focus mm. and and remember that you've got to actually get the job done how do you get a society who's you know grown up with that attention span shortage and, and get them to focus on, on, on work when they have those problems? Well, jeez, I mean, you're really throwing some really difficult questions here because <laughs> that's the thing, you know, it's only been 10 years that the iPhone's been in existence, yeah. only a decade, yeah. yet you think, what was life like without that, yeah. you know? And even five years that social media is the monster that it's been. And you're right, attention spans are shrinking. More and more people are suffering anxiety. I mean, my audiences, 15 years ago, my first event, no one in my audience knew what the word anxiety meant. Hmm. Yet now it's as common as catching the cold. Yeah, it is. Really? Like I, 
I, I um, never used to get anxious. I pretty much roll with the breeze. You know, I had a, you know, it wasn't really a nine to five job, but I had a, a radio show that I was committed to doing every day. And the rest of the time I was just, you know, back in the nineties, just doing my own thing every day. You know, mm. you go to the beach, you do your shopping. You wouldn't have to worry about checking your Facebook, yeah. Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, or whatever else is out there. Yeah. But now this, it's like, is it a FOMO thing? You feel like you're missing out because you're not checking everything or because oh, the, the news feed's going and all yeah. your friends are there yeah. and they're all posting stuff. I might have missed something. Is, is that where a lot well, of the anxiety is coming from? I think, yeah, I think the reason we're suffering anxiety is we're not present as much as we used to be. Mm. When you're present, you sit in your own thoughts and when you sit in your own thoughts, you ask questions and that's how we kind of manage our issues and problems. Mm. Whereas now we are constantly around things that stimulate mm. and distract us from being present. Yeah. And when we sit in our own thoughts, that's when we deal with things. We're anxious because mm. we're thinking about yesterday, worrying about tomorrow, and we're constantly looking externally from us for mm. validation. Mm. You know, I think the fear of rejection is the greatest fear that a human being can experience. Mm. So what do we want as a uh, as a opposite to that? We want love, we want recognition, we want mm. gratitude. Mm. And the, the people who design Facebook that are out of it now mm. are saying, and there's a lot of videos yeah. on it, it's really interesting. They talk yeah. about validation loops yeah. and how that Facebook and a lot of social media platforms, yeah. they make their money through advertising. Therefore, they need you on there as much yeah. as possible. So they're totally designed yeah. to get you to be addicted they, to going on there. They the way people are. Yeah. And, and people like, like to be appreciated and then they like validation. So if they post something that they believe in, then they'll keep showing you stuff that you believe exactly. in. So you start heading more into that group. But then there's the other side of the coin. If people don't believe in that, believe in this, and it starts shoving mm. them that way. Is, is it creating a massive divide in society? Because I believe that's what a lot of these guys who used to work at Facebook are saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, it's it's super scary in my opinion. And because I'm at the coalface with young people, I see the, ma the main users of this and the change. I mean, so many more young people are cutting themselves. Yeah. Like what so many. Oh, I... I mean, I've never even thought about doing that. Is it an anxiety so I, thing? It's like, oh, I'm, I'm freaking out because I'm having anxiety because I can't think of everything at the same time. I can't do everything at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I, so I think... that's just a way of dealing with it. Re yeah, yeah. Reminding yourself that you're really there and this is real. And maybe that's a way to put yourself back in your own body so you can start feeling things rather yeah. than thinking them too Well, much. I think that's the, the, the initial motivation of cutting yourself. It's like a physical pain to take mm. away from the internal pain that you're feeling. And I mean, there's a whole lot of reasons for it, but I truly believe, and you, you asked the question earlier, you know, what needs to change? Mm. And I know this sounds kind of like people say, oh, education, more awareness, you mm. know, talk about bullying things, but it's true. I didn't think, you know, in my audience, I always ask, Hands up those of you who've been watching a TV show or a movie and as soon as it's boring, you pick up your phone and everyone yeah. puts their hand up. Yeah. And I immediately say, do you see there's a problem there? Yeah. And I know this as a filmmaker. I remember mm. years ago, I was watching a movie and mm. as soon as it got boring, I picked up my phone yeah. and it was a light bulb moment. I thought, I'm a filmmaker. Mm. This is my passion. And I'm not even giving it the respect it deserves. Mm. And then that was a moment of clarity for me. I thought, okay, I need to put some rules around the phone mm. because I'm already addicted to it. One yeah. in two teenagers has a screen addiction. They're calling it addiction now because- Screen it's addiction. Screen addiction. Because wow. when you look at the phone, you get a notification. It releases dopamine in our brain. Yeah. It's like the, the pleasurable experience we link to mm -hmm. it. So, you know, I think just being aware that so many people are addicted to their phone. And, you know, my tips are, don't be on the phone the first half an hour you wake up. And I know that's hard to do. because I know, it's like I sleep exciting. in the right next to my bed. I'm <laughs> yeah. straight up in the morning, like, what, what what's happened yeah. today? Oh, that's in my calendar. Oh, look, such and such messaged me. And what was I doing? Oh, that's right. I was going to have breakfast. And already your, your brain's going a million yeah. miles an hour. Yeah. I think, I think uh, rather than cutting yourself and putting yourself in the moment, uh, uh, something a lot of people are turning to is meditation because yes. you're focusing on your thoughts and realizing when you're thinking things completely fucking stupid, like I'm not good enough or I can't do this or, you know, she or he hates me because, and you, if you start looking at your thoughts and you realize 
hang on a minute, this is just this monkey brain weird yeah. shit going on because even when you when I go to sleep at night, if I'm thinking stuff, I know that I've been thinking stuff the whole time I've been asleep. I wake up in my bed's got sheets and pillows everywhere. It looks like a freaking war zone. So if I, if I wake up first thing in the morning and I go, right, just for five minutes, I'm just going to focus on nothing. I'm going to look at my thoughts and even just have nothing going on in your brain for five minutes makes so oh, much difference. Yeah, and it's just simple habits. Mm. You know, we've... We've gotten here through a lot of simple bad habits, yeah. you know, so to get it out is just creating new simple good habits. And mm. I think it's reducing your notifications yeah. so that you're not, the phone is not dictating but when you look on it. All those fucking apps, you download an app and oh, just go, you've got Yeah, here's nothing, here's nothing, here's nothing. Like, ah, yeah. stop, that's going to give me anxiety. Or a notification, you haven't been on the app a while, come back and see us. It's like, oh my gosh. And, and so for young people, it's mm. a sense of overwhelm and it's a disconnect from whatever's going on, yeah. you know. And it's again, you know, every human has six human needs. And there's a great movie called Titanic, mm -hmm. um, which is a great illustration of two characters that get their human needs net, met in different ways. You've got Jack played by Leonardo DiCaprio mm -hmm. and his sense, of, his sense of love and connection, significance, recognition, contribution are all met internally, meaning he doesn't need anyone else mm. to, to, to be at peace at life. All he needs is, is the clothes on his back, a pencil and a, and a sheet of paper and he's oh, fine. Oh, one more thing. He, he needed to get on the freaking door and and float as well. Why couldn't he fit on the door as well at the end? Well, it wouldn't have, been as, uh, wouldn't have been as romantic of a movie, right? Because hey, I'm alive too. <laughs> Surely he would have lived as well. Well, if every movie had common sense, would it be as enjoyable as it is, right? So yeah, that's, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so he I mean he knew he he got it internally. Needs, but then you've got you've got Cal, the villain, played by played by Billy Zane, and he's got all of his needs met externally, meaning he's relying on other people and things. And the challenge for most people now is we don't get our needs met internally. We're, we're looking for external validation. We're looking for external significance. And that's why the phone, and I mean, Steve Jobs said this in the 80s, before the, the computer was the beast that it was. He said, I want a computer to be an extension of a person. Mm. And isn't that what it is now? It is, absolutely. And, and the way that things are going, it's actually going to be a part of the person. I mean, they're talking oh. about you know, enhancing your body and, you know, putting it in contact lenses and, mm. you know, implanting chips in our heads mm. so we know what's going on. But that, that's just going to make people's anxiety worse because that's they right. can't escape it. Yeah, yeah. And that's a scary thing. And you're right. The word escape is, a, I think, a key thing is, like you said, when you wake up, you on the phone, you're completely connected to everything going around, all the noise, mm. all the noise. And that's why it's so lovely. And you mentioned meditation. I'm a huge advocate for meditation. So what's your daily just, ritual? With, with just my daily ritual, well, don't touch the phone when I get up. Don't touch it when I go to bed. Have From 5 o'clock is family and kids time. I put the phone away. I have a tech-free day once a week or once every two weeks where technology for 24 hours, just stop it. Um, I'd like to do more yoga. I, I won't lie. I, I love yoga, but I don't, don't do enough of it. Yeah, I'm saying. You know? Whenever I've done it for a long period of time, like a, you know, a couple of weeks every mm. second or third day, I feel so much better, but I just—it just—it's hard to get into the habit and keep doing it. Yeah. life gets so busy. That's right, and I think it's just—you know—we either have excuses or results. We can't mm. have the both, but it's mm. just about that stake in the sand. You know, we move out of one of two reasons: to avoid pain mm. or to gain pleasure. Mm. And I think what it's about is just connecting either enough pain to something to move away from. And unfortunately, that's a better motivator for more people than mm. connecting to the pleasure. But I think it's just really getting connected to why you're doing it. Mm. And this is something I teach to myself all the all the time, and mm. I teach it. So. Mm. It's not easy. Mm. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. So you wake it, right? up in the morning, you have no technology for half no. an hour. Yeah. Um, you, you would meditate or anything like that or do yoga if you could. If I could, like, yes. That'd be the, yes. What, 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 With two kids, yeah. I tell you what, it's, uh, I don't wake up when I finish sleeping anymore. I wake up when my kids finish sleeping, but that's I mean, part I, of life. I don't have kids, not that I know of, but 
I, I don't know how you do it, man. Seriously, it must yeah. be so hard every day having a screaming person demanding stuff. And it, well, you know what? My kids are a blessing. I tell you, they're very chilled out. They're like, we call them hippie babies because they're so zen and, and relaxed and calm. But they have their moments. And I think it's just a different phase in my life. In my 20s, I partied, I went out, I traveled. Yeah. It was all about me. And now it's about kids. And you know, and you're being punished. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's come full circle. Punishing yourself with alcohol early, and now you're punishing yourself with screaming children. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. If, if I ever have kids, I'm getting a damn au pair. I yeah. mean, you get one of these girls from uh, a, a young guys, even from uh, you know European country. Yeah, yeah. They only cost two hundred bucks a week, yeah. and they're happy that they can extend their visa, and you yeah. can sleep in. Yeah, you yeah, work. yeah. They can dress your children for you, and, and, and yeah. a lot, but a lot of people won't do that. It's like, oh no, but yeah, your children only grow up once, and you yeah. have to experience all that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I, if I can get any help, and it makes my life yeah, easier, yeah. why would you do that? Well, that's right. I mean, I I, I run a lot of events in Singapore. Mm. And a lot of Singaporeans have full-time nannies that just live with them. And a lot of my students, their nannies as close to them as their mum and dad. Yeah. And I guess it just leverages time. I mean, my whole aspiration when I started this journey of running, running events around personal development was to just leverage my time as an entrepreneur to focus on film, which was my passion. And I think time is our most valuable commodity. We can't stretch or grow it. So you've got to be so strategic about where you spend your time and technology and children mm. technology is a big sapper of time <laughs> yeah, isn't it, it? Is. you know wasted time anyway so. yeah, but it, it, what's good is when technology does save you time yeah and it can do things for you and we're heading in the direction of ai being able to figure things out for you and that's a whole another conversation mm. so um you wrote your first book at 19 yes international bestseller called the world at your feet what prompted you to do that at 19 is because you're like, I'm 19, I've got the world at my feet. I'm yeah. going to write a book about it. Well, I guess there's the there's the, uh, the the glamorous story of why, but I'll give you the, the real story of why, which I don't normally talk about. Okay. Um, the glamorous story of why was, oh, well, write a book, get the message out. The real story of why was um, I, I had started to run seminars for teenagers, and I was a teenager myself. And uh, I had a very negative article uh, written about me from the Telegraph. So they said, I want to do a story on you. It's amazing. You're a teenager. You're running these seminars on, 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 on emotional intelligence and goal setting and, and, and career guidance and communication skills for teenagers. We want to talk about it. It's like, great. So I had a two-hour interview with them. They did a photo shoot. It was so exciting. I was you know, first time I'd done anything in the media. Mm. And at the end of this last two minutes, they said, what do you charge for an event? I said, well, you know, for a one-day event, it's about 160 bucks, which is cheap as chips, mm. really. And a two-day event, about four, five hundred dollars. Mm. They're like, okay. Now, they didn't mention as well. It's been 18 months out of my friend's garage on no money mm. developing all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the article came out, beautiful photo of me. I was like, great. And the headline said, Brent Williams changing the lives of young people, or is he taking advantage of parents who'll pay anything for their child's success? And the whole article was about me charging money for the event. And so that was a real like, mm. I couldn't believe it. I was yeah. so, and I didn't have the emotional muscle that I have now. I was devastated. Yeah. I, and I, I thought everyone was going to hate me because, you know, you just think one thing in the media, oh, everyone reads it, which mm. they don't. But, but, that's, was, but that's the media. I mean, they'll, well, they'll always go for the negative because, you know, people sitting on their couch at home, they, they want to see the negative and they want to see the positive. It's a more interesting story. Yeah. It's, it's like, Makes um, them feel better about their lives too, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> like 60 minutes in a current affair. Like you see, you see all these stories and it's all about this person did that, this person did that. Yeah. How horrible are they? But what I'm, I love seeing of late is people are, are so much more media savvy and awake up to the beat ups that are happening in yes. the news. And they're behind the scenes filming what actually went on. And uh, there was a recent story on, on 60 Minutes. Yeah 
about cryptocurrency yeah, yeah. and they shot everything that 60 Minutes yeah. were doing behind the scenes. Yeah. And, Very different story. And it was a completely yeah. different story. I watched story. it. I that, watched the, the, what they filmed as well. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but so many like other, other journalists are, are now you know, being a lot more careful about what they say mm. in an interview and, and making sure that you know, if, if they're being filmed, then they're going to they gotta stick to yeah. the facts. And isn't that great? Because yeah. that's, that's the whole issue, the mm. way it can be skewed. And as, mm. as, as, as um, yeah, stories can be. I remember Robert Kiyosaki, and I'll come back to why I wrote the book, but Robert yeah, yeah, Kiyosaki yeah. wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I remember a story about him in the 70s where it was supposed to be a very positive story. It was a current affair or 60 minutes. And they feel, and he said, okay, finished the interview and walked away. And he walked away and they kept running. And then, then it was about Robert Kiyosaki being a scam artist and looking, mm. walking away from that interview. And they just used the... <laughs> It's and then bullshit. so that was like he didn't come to Australia for 20 years it, as a result of that. It's pure desperation though yeah. because, because they're making way less money than, than they made say 10, 15 years ago mm-hmm. and they're becoming so insignificant and obsolete mm-hmm. because they're, they're driven by the dollar and their advertisers yeah. and if an advertiser doesn't agree with what they're saying in a story then they're gonna, not going to spend money with them yes. anymore. And, and the other side of the coin is they, they've actually got to get readers and by getting the readers sometimes they're going to be sensationalizing and and say things that, that are always the negative because mm-hmm. as humans our brains tend to always focus towards the negative as i mean I guess it's a life-saving thing yeah yeah from the prehistoric era but um and that that's why they're desperate to to sell tv shows and and say sensational things mm-hmm. but anyway we, we we want to talk about uh we can bag the media as yeah, much as yeah, we like yeah, because yeah. we're starting a new media here <laughs> but uh the reason why you wrote the book yes and, yes so and those I wrote, wrote a shit story about you in the paper yeah. And so you thought, right, I'm going to write a book about this. Well, I wrote the book because I thought, okay, the media can attack me for running seminars. Mm. But if I write a book, how much can they attack me? And the book kind of positions me as an authority because yeah. people have said, you've written a book. Wow, you must know what you're talking about, yeah, right? Yeah, even if they haven't read the book. Yeah, yeah. They go, oh, he's, he's an author. He's an author. So okay. I literally wrote the book as a mechanism to get back in the media yeah. in, in, a, in a roundabout way. And sure enough, I did. I was on Sunrise and... Mm. And, and the Today Show and Carrie Ann and did heaps of media and it was about the book and then through the book I got to talk about the seminar. So it was a strategic decision to do it because it made me an authority because as a teenager I lacked that credibility but mm. the book gave me that credibility. So the book was written mainly as a strategic decision to navigate the negative side of the media mm. as, much as, as much as I could. And, and so the book was essentially at its, at its core a lot of the principles that I talk about at my events. Mm. Um, having the world great. at your feet yeah and, yeah and, you know and so what do you mainly talk about at your events um well so my events empower you is, is the main event that i run and i've had just under twenty five thousand teenagers young adults in six countries go through that it wow. goes over two and a half days 28 hours yeah, so it's wow. not a little let's get up and talk about i climbed is you know um you know i walked the kokoda trail one leg and isn't that great it's not an inspirational story it's very concrete strategy so we talk about goal setting we talk about emotional intelligence we talk about belief systems and how to change negative beliefs you have that don't serve you and that's mm. probably a big thing we do a whole section around communication skills so how to build rapport ask quality questions open and close questions mm. matching and mirroring people mm. um we do a, a section around career guidance and family relationships and, and a great section now uh, on money and finance mm. you know just giving young people an education around simple things like compound interest managed funds silver and gold as mm. an alternative investment strategy to store your wealth as yeah. opposed to money which is just you know inflated based on what's happening in the economy mm. um you know property understanding about property and, and not negative versus positive gear and the whole motivation around that which i mentioned earlier is just to leverage your time mm. but the core of my events 
because I get I got this question the other day. It said, "What is what? What are some success stories?" I was on Sky News doing an interview, and mm. and they, they want to hear about oh, you got millionaires, and I've had many millionaires that have done the, done the course now. I've had people that are like Vice President J P Morgan, but I said at the core of it, it's about making people just happy in their lives. Yeah, I think happiness seems to be a harder thing that people mm. are attaining now, mm. and happiness should be an easy thing. Mm. Why don't they teach you know? that at schools? They give you they give you a, a religion class for half an hour every day, and and that's probably their their version of happiness. I mean, that's that's something that that kids should be taught in school to you know look at their thoughts and realize when they're thinking something that's utterly ridiculous, yeah. and maybe maybe meditation or something like that is something that should be taught yeah, in school. Hundred percent. You know, I've been being down the doors of schools for almost twenty years now, mm. and there have been some schools that have embraced it, but most don't. Mm. And and there's a whole lot of reasons why they don't. And I hate the excuse, oh, we just don't have time in our in our calendar. Like you said, half an hour a week mm. on religious studies, you can squeeze me in. Yeah, exactly. Give me a half a day a year. What, what's got the, the time? So for you've that. already uh, had a couple of schools. Oh, lots take of schools. Advantage of this. Lots of schools and, I've spoken at. I guess I guess it's probably um, the best way to to look at it and get it get it to happen in more schools is by showing the advantages and 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 the people's lives that it's changed already. Mm-hmm. What are, what are some good stories there of people who whose lives you lives you've changed with this great idea? God, there are thousands. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's you know we've got hundreds of videos just on our website about yeah. success stories. I mean, I've had, I've had people that a lot of just recently I've had. Um, for some reason, we've had a lot of girls that have come through my programs that are suffering eating disorders um, and have been in hospitals for years and mm. on suicide watch and now they're at full health mm. and they're you know, glowing testimonials of the work that we do. Why, why do they um, have eating disorders? Is it because they think that they're fat? It's not as simple as that. Mm. You know, there's a lot, it's a very complicated. A lot of them talk about a big reason was Instagram and this mm. false sense of what beauty is, right? Yeah. And mm. what they should be. And yeah. that's the whole challenge with being online now mm. is it gives so many people a warped sense of what happiness should look like, mm. what um, a healthy person should look like. Mm. And interestingly, and a lot of these girls talked about it, that there's a lot of Instagram private pages mm. that are about glorifying eating disorders mm. and, and saying what? how cool. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even know. I don't know. I'm so naive That's to this stuff. Up. I'm like, what? But yeah, and then people that like send messages going, that was a really hot photo seeing you like your rib cage and that looked oh. great. And it's really like, it's a whole world I don't understand. Mm. And I don't even know, was, was, I wasn't even aware of it. Mm. But, you know, I think there are young people that come along to me that are school captains and high achievers. And what it's about is just taking them to the next level. You know, I was, I was school captain year 12. Mm. I played elite, elite sports. Um, this education, and, and, and this is an interest, probably why I even started it. I was, uh, I was 19, no, 18. I just finished my HSC, 99. Mm. And I was planning to go to university at the time, uh, just because everyone else was, and it was mm. the thing to do. I wanted to do movies. I mm. wanted to be a filmmaker, but I didn't know how to get there. I thought, I'll go to university. I was outside a nightclub. Sorry, I was at a nightclub with some friends. A friend won two grand on the poker machines. He's flashing around, look at this. And I think, great, shout us a drink. Then I noticed the attention that it attracted. You know, he's flashing this money. You, you know, you rob a 7-Eleven, you're not going to make two grand. You mm. know, this is big score. So I said, let's leave. And so he said, how about get my car from the street and drive around the front? Mm. And I volunteered because most people's first car, not about your car, my first car was a 1984 Mitsubishi car. It was a, you know, it was a terrible car. But his car was a red BMW M3 convertible. He finished school in year 10, became a mechanic. All his money went, it was a beautiful car. So yeah. I get to drive it. So I race out, I race out the street. I'm going through the keys and none of them working. And I notice in the corner of my eye from across the street, a couple of guys walk over to me. You get a sense of what happens. I turn around. I said, give us your money. I said, I've got none. I literally had like 50 cents. Mm. So give us your key card. I said, what are you going to go to the bank? He said, no, we'll go to the ATM in the club. So then I think oh, I've got to say no at some point. Mm. So I said, I'm not going to give it to you. And then they pulled a the gun out. What? Yeah. So I gave the key card. He raced off. I wasn't worried about the money because that's 20 bucks in my account. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. But the guy with the gun dragged me across the street into the bushes, put the gun to my head 
And I was kneeling down, looking up at this guy, and I first I was trying to convince him, hey mate, you want my shirt and one of my shoes? I thought make make a joke of it, maybe you'll laugh. And he was just he was like, F this, you. F that. And I was like, and then there was this moment I thought, he's gonna shoot me here. Like, especially when his mate comes back, no money. I, like you don't know, right? I don't, yeah. I don't know. Where and was this? I was in uh, Flemington. What? Yeah. And so I was um it was a life-changing experience they talk about. Yeah. And my life flashed before my eyes, like first day of kindergarten, meeting healthy Harold. Um, playing handball on the courts, going on holidays, my, my first kiss, you know, all this stuff. But then it got to the present, the moment, and it was the worst feeling. I remember just this sickening feeling of like, if I go now, like, what have I what, done? What have I done? And, and you can say, yes, you're 18, but I knew in my heart of hearts I'd mm. given up mm. on my dreams, goals, and ambitions. I'd started to procrastinate and I kind of let go of the filmmaking dream. And I wanted that ever since I was probably seven or eight, I did an mm. acting class and said, mm. this is for me, but I want to make the films, I don't want to star in them. And so it was an epiphany. And it was that was the catalyst for change for everything in my life. I, I, after that, the next day, the sky was blue, the grass was green, the air was fresh, and I thought, right, I've got a second chance at life. I'm gonna go after it. And then I, I knew that money would be an obstacle in my pursuit of filmmaking, so I went along to a wealth creation seminar. Mm. And the guy was saying, I'll teach you how to turn a dollar into a million in seven years. I thought, I got a dollar. <laughs> I'm ready, let's go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he uh, talked about like shares and property and things like that. And he ran a, a three-day event in the Hunter Valley. Mm. And the first two days was the psychology of money. I didn't mm. know what that meant, but it sounded good. Yeah. Essentially, it was just a, a flashy name for personal development, which is mm. kind of like the Tony Robbins, the Zig Ziglar's, the Bob Proctor's of the mm. world. But I got to tell you, man, it just supercharged me. I finished this event. I felt 10 feet tall. I could mm. walk through walls. And I, was, I never like, lacked confidence, mm. never. But this just supercharged me and people came up to me at that event with tears in their eyes saying I wish I had this at your age what different decisions may I have made in my life mm. had I been exposed to this yeah. and so I joined that company full time to really be engrossed in the environment it's kind of like if you've seen the movie Boiler Room mm. it felt like that and it was just like all these young people hustling making all this money and doing these events so this is the, this is the company that does the events so yeah 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 because I wanted to, to see if they the practice event. what they pay. yeah it was like five yeah. grand for yeah, the three day event yeah. and then so you went hey money. I want to be a part of this yeah well because I was so young I didn't know yeah. what I was talking about I thought if I'm there every day I'm going to yeah. learn a lot better yeah yeah and the same thing, all these people doing the course were saying, oh, I wish I had this at your age. And that yeah. was when I said, why don't I do this? Mm. Why don't I, I was kind of at the time going, do I go into film now or do I hold off? And I said, I'll give myself a seven year window and at 25 I'll start the film business. And mm. I've got seven years to mm. really hustle, roll mm. up my sleeves and run these events and buy properties and you know, and I was very naive and you have to be, I think sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you think of all the reasons why it's not gonna work, mm. you probably won't do it. Mm. So that's when I started to work on the events and, and ran my first seminar at a drop-in center out mm. of DY for, for two kids because the rest ran away. They mm. didn't want to listen. Yeah. <laughs> Those two were like locked yeah, in. You had to start small. Yeah, yeah, yeah me and these enough. two kids and it worked. It was great. Those two kids told their friends and we had, the next week we had 12, then we had 25, then we had 40 and, 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 and then you know the rest is history. And, and so I'm super passionate about it, mm. especially now because young people, seem to be more disenchanted. They mm. seem to lack that focus or direction mm. or like I said, just aren't as happy. Mm. Yeah. Do you think wanting to be a filmmaker, and mm. it's one of the toughest industries in the world to make yeah. it because so yeah. many people out there want to be filmmakers, yes. actors, the entertainment industry, yeah. to, to follow your dreams because you're not making any money being a filmmaker when you start. You needed to build another business on the side to be able to make money so that cash cow was coming in so you could get better and better at making films so you could put food on the table. Yes. Um, what would you say to people out there who have a dream like that and want to start building a business but don't have the financial backing to do it? Yeah, so there's a couple things that I would say. The first thing is, um, 
if you've got an idea for a business, get a job in the field of the business you want to, so you're getting paid to learn. Mm. You know, if you want to, if you want to own a restaurant, go work in a restaurant, mm. so you're getting paid to learn, and you're not making the mistakes with your own money. Mm. And the second thing is, like you said earlier, the internet has created a whole new market where you can make money. Like I'm working with some students of mine right now mm. that are literally looking to just be a marketing funnel for products online, mm. like selling rather than you know going to a certain website for um, a GoPro set up a landing page and some Instagram advertising mm. at five cents a click, 10 cents a click and take a commission on sales where you don't even need to hold yeah, the stock. Right, wow. I mean, there's a huge market just to be a middleman now. Yeah, and I'm talking crazy, about mate. 15 year olds, right? Yeah. That are setting up these business, cost them 300 bucks a month that's yeah. cash on the gram. So there's no excuse now. I, I love seeing when young kids just figure out a way to make cash. Like yeah. my little nephew, when he was about, I think he was 14 or 15, it was only like a, a couple of years ago, he wanted this brand new computer. So he borrowed the money of his mum and use the computer to mine for cryptocurrency, mined 900 bucks, paid back mum, and just now uses it for video games. And Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm like, dude, we can start a business. Keep going. I'm going to buy all these computers in like, no. <laughs> No, I just want to play Call of Duty. I'm mate. satisfied now. I've got my needs met. Why, yeah, why do I want to sit yeah. there and run a business? What's that going to do for yeah. me? I don't need to buy another computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's great how kids are doing it. There's so many incredible success stories out there. Like uh, one of our previous uh, interviews is actually the first uh, interview that I did on, on the mic. Uh, the high smile guys, Nick and Alex, like these two 23, 24-year-old kids on the Gold Coast, they started a teeth whitening business. And they turned over $50 million in the space of a year. Wow. Absolutely crazy. They were, they were using people like um, Kylie Jenner, um, you know, the Kardashians, and um, uh, Ewan McGregor. And, wow. And, so they connected yeah. with these people directly? Yeah, yeah. Okay, wow. That's yeah. amazing. Colin, um, Colin McGregor. No, what's his name? The boxer, the UFC fighter. Oh, Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor, yeah. sorry. I'm no, a big Ewan, UFC Ewan fan. Yeah. <laughs> Never fought a day in my life, but I love the UFC. <laughs> yeah, but, but <laughs> like, I mean, they've got, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions yeah. of followers actually when it comes to the Kardashians and McGregor and that all of a sudden they just flashing this teeth whitening stuff and it just goes ballistic and these guys on the Gold Coast they've got this amazing office they've got something like 60 or 70 staff but what amazed me is I thought okay well they've probably got like 30 or 40 you know Instagram people they're paying at any one time mm-hmm. they actually have 20,000 people that they are paying to promote wow. their product at any one time. Wow. That's crazy. Key influencers. It's, it is yeah. crazy. It is crazy. The influencer world. Yes, yes. The but, fact that it's such a uh, common term now, we mm. say that, right? You know, influencers that, that, yeah, just get on there and show some sort of coffee bean and <laughs> get paid for it. Mm. It's, uh, it's quite a remarkable time. So I think coming back to your question, I think if anyone's starting a business is get the experience and get paid to do it and have a strategy to leverage. You know, it's all about, like for me, being able to have a business that essentially 
while I haven't achieved all my financial goals that I had, I've leveraged my time. Mm. And so when I started making short films, as you know, short films are expensive because you don't make money from them. No. So no one's really going to invest yeah. in it unless there's a feature film attached to it. Yeah. And even still, it's a gamble. Um, but I was able to make six short films in 18 months, all self-funded. I spent just under hundred grand and I paid for the right people because mm. I'm all about following recipes. I knew nothing. Mm. All I knew about film was that I loved it and that I watched DVD extras. That's it. <laughs> the making of. Okay, I'll take that note. That's a good pointer. And really just common sense a bit. Yeah. and just knowing how to um, have good uh, communication skills uh, mm. with people. And so it's just about paying people top dollar to be around me and just watch them. How mm. do they do this? Why does the cameraman use that terminology? And what's, what's the gaffer doing here? What's this? What's this? And just learning by experience is the way that I did that. But I did that because I had a strategy to, to leverage my time to pursue my passion. Because I think a lot of people have a passion. You need to put it on the table like you mentioned. Mm. So if you want to be that actor, and that's what you want to do. That's fine. Yeah. Go for it, but have a strategy to support the dream. Yeah. And that's not necessarily saying have an exit yeah. as an alternative, but mm. just have a strategy to finance, to leverage your time because mm. too many people just go for it, go for it, go for it and burn out. Mm. I mean, how many people that start filmmaking school actually go and do it? Not yeah. many. Yeah. And, not and, many. And there's so many that will go to filmmaking school and they get to the end of it and they can't. They think, oh, well, no one's giving me a job now yeah. because I, I studied yeah. my ass off. Why exactly. Why are they going to give me a job? Like I got one friend in particular, He, he all he's done from the minute he left school, even at school, was make short films. Uh, he, he went to university and studied filmmaking. He got like a fucking doctorate in filmmaking, but no one will hire him. Mm. And it's like, you can't even get a job as a runner. But once you actually get in there and then you, you've got to claw your way up, and it goes back to what you're saying, get a job where you actually want to learn. And, and if you can get around people who, like for radio is a perfect example as well, because like I, I wanted to work in radio as a kid and the only way that I could learn was by actually being in there and being the office boy and working mm. for free. so And that, and that's what a lot of people do as well. They, they just offer their services for nothing so yeah. that they can learn. Because all about attitude. Start. Yeah. If someone offers their time for nothing, I've even offered to pay people. Mm. Like literally, I'll give you a thousand bucks if I can work for you for two weeks. Because I know they're going to go, holy cow, like who does that? Mm. And immediately you position yourself mm. and your attitude shines. And offering yourself for free is something I always advocate because mm. too many people swap time for money. And if you show a mentality of investing in yourself, mm. then it's going to speak volumes for people. And then for me, come back to film, that's all I did. I knew nothing about film except I, I, read, I read a book. And it's funny, the catalyst in your life. I was in Ibiza, of all places, mm. and had a great time. Um, and I remember on the way home, a friend of mine had bought me a book, and I hadn't read it for a year. I'm not a big reader. But mm. I had this book with me. It's Peter Jackson's autobiography on oh, how he wow, made yeah, cool. Lord of the Rings. Mm. And I read it from start to end. And what I got out of that book was two things. One, he made a movie called Bad Taste. I don't know if you've ever heard of yeah, it. Yeah, I, I remember the, the cover of the DVD. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the guy, yeah, 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 yeah. And I watched and I, So I'm reading this. I never watched it, but I read this book, and he's talking about how he made over four years with his friends and all of his money in this job working for paper and he was financing this thing so i went and watched it and it's terrible yeah, yeah, yeah. it is really and then but what inspired me was i thought if this guy can mm. make that and then make the lord of the rings yeah i can do it yeah exactly if Just he goes and does that and then the, does the lord of the rings i can do it that's it's what i, I say to all because i own a, a film festival up on the gold coast the oh, wow. uh, sanctuary cove international okay. film festival being out for about four years get your entries in now <laughs> and um and a lot of a lot of kids come to the film festival and, oh it's my dream to make a feature film well, yeah. just do it yeah. Just get out yeah. there and actually do it. Even if you've got no money. Yeah. Just shoot something and, and edit it and, and keep working at it yeah. until you finish your first film. That and way you've got one run on the board. I remember yeah. I had some guys who was just finished uh, at AFTA's filmmaking course. They'd won a couple of short film competitions. They had a screenplay that had won awards, but they couldn't get the funding to make this movie. So they approached me and said, we want to get someone with a bit of a profile and make a movie about their life. 
but put actors around them so it's not exactly what's happening in their life. So yes. we shot a feature film called Shooting Goldman, which was like me traveling around doing voiceover sessions or hosting events and TV shows. Mm. But then all of a sudden I start losing it and, uh, you know, I, I've got guns that I'm hiding in the roof and you start going, what the hell's happening? But spoiler alert, when I start killing people, I realize <laughs> that it, it's, it's actually a movie. I still have people go, Is that, was that movie... Uh, real or was it fake? And I go, do you yeah. watch it? And they say, yeah. And you, you didn't watch the fucking end, did yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I kill people. Yeah. <laughs> you think I would be here right now if it's real? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, the guys that were making that, like, we were trying to get funding. We had meetings with people, investors. At one point, one guy was going to give us 100 grand because we thought, well, we can make it for 100 grand easy. Yeah. And uh, and then he thought it was going to be a bottom of the harbor scheme because we weren't going to make money because it was, mm. you know, it, his accountant told him it wasn't going to, it was so difficult to get money. It cut a long yeah, story short. Yeah, yeah. So I said, let's just shoot it. We've got cameras. We've got yeah. editing gear. We can show up like as a two-man crew, an actor and a cameraman. Yeah. And just you can just follow me around and I can actually go into normal working situations and shoot this movie. And we did. We finished it and got played in LA and New York. Mm-hmm. And it's so exciting because even though it's a... I don't think it's the best film. I've got friends out there that think it, that love it. They think it's great. And you've done it. It's so in the it's, can. It's done. There's even a lot of talk. Even if it's crap. People. And there's, yeah, always, yeah. there's always a million other ways you can look back yeah. and go, I would have done that differently. Yeah. But you know, you got to move to the next project. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. it's just about putting out content. I remember the first camera I bought was a Panasonic HDV Pro. It was like mm. 15 grand. A lot of money. You know, I'm spending on this thing. Now that's a paperweight. That, that, and that's not even yeah. 10 years ago. I but mean, like you said, the quality. Yeah. Well, yeah. The quality of things you can film yeah. now with, with audio, with editing software, you don't need the money. Mm. And so you can go out and do it. And and even look at a movie like Saw. I mean, these these two Melbourne uh, film students that have got this script, they're peddling around, no one wants it. Yeah. So they're going, what? Let's just shoot a scene. And yeah. that's all they did. They shot one scene and they did it high quality. Four yeah. or five minutes, yeah. you can nail 20 grand. You're going to make yeah. it look good. Yeah. Set it out, bang, million dollars. There you go. Go make the movie. And look at it now. It's one yeah. of the greatest horror franchises mm. of all time. And James Wan, I think his name is, the yeah. director, he's doing Fast and Furious. Yeah. He's doing, you know, The Conjuring. Oh, like, they made gazillions. Forget about it. Because, like you said, he just yeah. went out and did it. Spirit Brothers as well. Is yeah, a, a, yeah, a, yeah. Another good example. I mean, they've got a new movie coming out soon called Winchester. Oh, yes, I've heard of that. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, I think yeah. they, they ended up doing uh, one of the Saw films as well. Yeah, I'm not sure, but yeah. yeah. But it's, I mean, look, it's just, that's the thing. You, you know, there's no excuses anymore. Mm. If you want it enough, like the pleasure and pain, you just got to go and do Get it. out there. Not wait and, and sit it. around. Yeah, yeah, Get absolutely. Out and make your film. Like uh, another um, filmmaker friend of mine, he uh, was executive producer of Big Brother, Chris Blackburn. And like he, he worked on 60 Minutes and a lot of other, um, you know, reporting style news shows. And all he ever wanted to do was make a feature film. And I bought him a, a really old like 1960s camera as a, a gift one year to say thanks for a great season on Big Brother. And he always and I said, you got to leave this always on your desk to remind you to make your film. And he said that was one of the best things that, that he ever had as a motivator because it was always staring him in the face. Yeah. And he ended up going out and shooting this film for sod all money. But it was a great movie. He yeah. did such a good job. And now you know, he's looking to do the next one. So you, you just need need to get your start, need to get yes. out there and just have a crack. Well, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I've been writing, and this is a film I can talk about. Mm. I, I, I did a short film in 2008 um, called Turning Point, and mm. it was based on, I don't know if you remember as a kid. I've heard of that. There's a show. There, there is another film 15 years ago called Turning Point, same title, but... Mm. Um, if you remember the show Unsolved Mysteries as yeah. a kid, that scared the shit out of me. I'd be watching that and I didn't and come on like the X-Files intro. And there was a story I remember as a 10-year-old where a guy was hiking in the mountains in the US and he got shot in the head and killed. Mm. And uh, there were police investigating this for a long time. There was no motiv- motivation, no nothing in his... Ba- 
And anyway, seven years pass and they discover, kind of like CSI mm. through ballistics evidence, that a bullet that was shot from two hunters three kilometers away at a deer. They shot at a deer, it missed the deer, then it flew and it ricocheted across the lake. You know, like you throw a rock and it mm. skims, and it skimmed up and hit this guy in the head. So these hunters had no idea that they killed this guy, right? No idea. And I yeah. thought, and I had that story, it just stuck with me. And I thought, imagine you did a movie about two guys, you and I, we're going out on a hunting trip, mm. you know, just because, and we shoot someone. And what then, would you, and you do? Didn't, and you didn't know. You didn't, or no, you do or, know, or, or but you accidentally know. do it. And then you like see the body because you think it's a, a, you know, it's a mistaken identity. Yeah. And I started researching, you know, this happens at least once a week around the world. Like a what? father shoots his son, a brother shoots his sister. They mistake something flashing up and, and fire away. It's, it's really very common. And so I did a short film on it in 2008. I was on the set, everyone said, this feels like a feature film. And then we edited it and they said this, and I'll, and I'll send you the link to it for you yeah, to watch yeah, it. Cool, cool. And so I started writing the script and um, it's been 10 years now. And six weeks ago, I finally signed the deal for a production company in the US are gonna fund it. And oh, tomorrow wow. morning, I'm having the production call to get it going. We're looking That's at a three fantastic. to $6 million dollar budget. My whole point is this film now will be the catalyst for many other scripts that I've got yeah. to just get out there. Once get that the first one, rolling. doesn't matter as long as you don't completely stuff mm. it up yeah. and it's a decent job. People mm. go, you've, you, it's kind of like anyone who does a development, you've mm. committed something to completion. Yeah. You know, you've pulled it off, bang, you got mm. the ticket, mm. away you go. And so mm. many Aussie filmmakers that just get that first one, mm. get these two, three picture deals because yeah. they then go, what's next? Yeah. What's your next scripts? Yeah, and then they're booked you know? out for years and yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you get motivated when you're at the starting level? And you want to be a filmmaker or you you want to have your own instagram business and it's such a long road ahead and you're, you're looking at the mountain in front of you and you're going shit how am i going to climb that this is going to take forever like is there a daily routine that you go yeah. through or what, what is the best advice <clears throat> sure, to, sure. To, to attacking that those hopes and dreams and making them a reality yeah well i like to think of you got to imagine like batman with the you know that he's got the bat belt and it's just what tools you use so there's a whole lot of tools so the first one is you've got to start setting some goals and i know people hear this all the time i think people think goal setting like let's say it was an academic goal at school yeah i've set a goal to get better marks at school that's a waste of time a goal is like a coach or a mentor it's a detailed plan of achievement and it holds you accountable and i think that's why people don't set goals in the first place is they feel guilty because they get lazy so i think it's about having some daily weekly monthly goals mm. because the prize is so far away mm. if you want to be a filmmaker or whatever it is it's you know it's a 10 or 15 year journey it's like overwhelm right like you said so it's about creating those daily habits it's all about the habits i think then it's about also I, I do a lot of talk about vision boards um, and dream books. And why do I say this? We have shitty weeks. Mm. We have times when someone tells you you're hopeless or mm. things don't How work do you out. Handle those knockbacks. Have dream books, have vision boards because you're gonna have them. You have gotta develop a thick skin and a soft heart mm -hmm. and it's not gonna be just by yourself. Like I've got a vision board that I made of like all my favorite directors, places I wanna to travel to. And you know what, you have a shitty week, you look at that and you go, that's why I'm doing it. And you have gotta reconnect the emotion yeah. of when you set it. Like a news resolution, you feel pumped December 31st, I'm gonna quit drinking, I'm gonna get healthy, I'm gonna get in the gym. Gyms explode <laughs> January 1st, because everyone uses their membership. And then it whines, and yeah. it's about reconnecting to the emotion of when you made the decision. Because like we're emotional creatures, we go up and down and yeah. we lose that motivation. I also think a big thing is having one or two champions in your life, right? If I was doing things by myself, mm. it's so easy to quit. But let's say you and I went for a swim every morning and mm. I wake up a cold morning this morning, right? Mm. 
I go, I don't want to go, but I know Mike's going to be waiting there at seven o'clock, so yeah. I don't want to let him down. We do more for others than we do ourselves. So yeah. I think it's about having a team, like yeah. a mastermind group. Good people around you. Yeah, good Get people rid around of the you. losers. Yeah. That, like Will Smith had a, a video online I saw the other day, and, and he said, if you have anyone that's to your left and your right that doesn't believe in you 110% and think that you can do it, get rid of those people yeah, out of the your The toxic life. people, I call How them. How do you get rid yeah. of those toxic people? Yeah, because I just get got to cut them. Yeah, just yeah. like <laughs> block their number. Love them from a distance. Yeah. Just and this is another thing. Also protect your goals. You know, I I remember when I started off my seminars, uh, I went on a soccer trip, mm. uh, a yearly soccer trip with my team. I got to the airport and they all made a shirt. They thought it was funny. Mm. I joined Brent's cult army. So they're kind of like <laughs> knocking. You know, you're a cult because yeah, yeah, they're yeah. a. And I took offense to that. I didn't say anything. I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to shut my mouth and not talk to them about this anymore. Mm. So you've got to protect your dreams from people that are just going to shit on them because there's a whole lot of people yeah. out there that just have an opinion mm. for the sake of an opinion. And it's just an opinion. Don't yeah. take it as gospel. Yeah. Then go and look at your vision board and your list of goals and yeah. everything that you're going to achieve and feel good about yourself again. And it's a great way to drag yourself out of depression as that's well. That's right. Like if, if you're constantly thinking of the negative, it's like a negative vision board yeah. that's dragging you into depression. Make your positive one, right? Your list of amazing things that mm. you want to do with your life all the great things that you have yeah. in your life or even if you don't have so many great things have have a board of, of shit that you want like you yeah. said th things that you desire and something yeah. to look to but when when you do have that and and you're just too stuck in the negative like how do you drag yourself out because some people feel like they couldn't even do a vision board and they, they think that's that's ridiculous like how do you how do well you at some point people got to take some personal responsibility yeah. for their life and yeah. say okay do i want a great life i've got to take ownership i can't rely on external factors i've just got to make a firm decision of what i want and this is where you've got to connect to either the pain or the pleasure to make a decision and i think ultimately when we talk about technology let's give it some credit now and say there's so many wonderful things now that will keep you motivated like when i like there are plenty of times when I have that devil on my shoulder to mm. go, you know what, Brent, you don't even know what you're talking about. You've had 21 days on set, on set total, where you're directing. You don't know what you're doing because Steven Spielberg was directing every day from the age of 20. I'd say that. That's, <laughs> but I'm thinking, I'm coming up to a feature film I'm going to direct and I'm going to get on there going, I'm a fraud. But then on the other side, I go, you know what? You're all right. You're okay. And the way that I build that, which is the question you're asking, is tools. So I go on the internet. There's a thing called Masterclass you may have heard of. Right, it's like 300 bucks a year and they've got experts that they've filmed. Yeah, like, I, I did the Steve Martin phenomenal. ones. They're phenomenal. Oh, they're on comedy. Yeah. What he thinks on comedy. Yeah, I mean, oh, there's so David cool. Mamet, there's, you know, there's, there's um, Martin Scorsese's coming out. Mm. These are like the people that what I want to listen to. What ones have you to. done? Martin Scorsese's coming out. I've done the Ron Howard one. I'm oh, directing. What was the Ron Howard? David Mamet. Well, he talks like. about how to like... Um, how you communicate with actors on set, building rapport, mm. how you set up a scene, how you work with the DOP, mm. like really the nuts and bolts. And I'm paying $300 a year for all of them. So good. You want to learn a quick Gordon Ramsay for all. It's 100 per one, but if you pay 300, you get all of them. It's a no brainer for me. Worth doing. Because I get, there's writers, there's directors, there's producers coming up. But then you go on YouTube. I just Google directing tips and just have a video playing in the background while I'm doing work. Like you just got to surround yourself with the right environment. 95% of our thoughts today are, are regurgitated from yesterday. Mm. So if you're regurgitating negativity, like negative yesterday, you just, so it's about tuning into an environment that's gonna feed you. It's and that's why- New ideas. My seminar, two and a half days, 28 hours, these teenagers come along and let me be very clear about this. Yeah. Most of them don't wanna be there. Yeah. Most of them, their parents have gone, you're gonna do this. And I always say to the parents, good on you, cause you're a parent first and a friend second. And mm. too many parents are friends first mm. and go, do you wanna do this, Jimmy? I don't wanna go listen to someone lecture me about life. Okay, don't worry about it. And they've totally robbed that child of an amazing experience. So they come in on the Friday night going, my mum's made me do this. My dad, I don't want to be this guy's a scam or whatever. By Sunday night, they're literally crying tears of joy. How going, do you turn them around? You're hypnotizing them? Well, you should come along. 
Honestly, pop in for an <laughs> yeah, hour okay. or two. So how I do it is create positive peer pressure. Yeah. So firstly, and, and you know, doing this a long time, when I started this, it was a lot harder than it is now because I've learned, as you've learned, you get great at doing anything long enough. Mm-hmm. So I've learned how to build rapport, how to handle objections, how to almost look for, okay, I've got a room of 50 or 60. Who's the one who's going to be the troublemaker? I'm going to get them right now. Yeah, so you, and I call you, them out. That's, that's like if I'm ever doing a TV show or back when I was doing like crowd warm up, you'd look for the worst part of the audience. It's not clapping, yeah, not standing yeah. up. You go, that's the area that I have to work yeah. on. Yeah. And, and, and I've got to talk to them. And that way they're going to think, oh shit, the whole room's looking yeah. at me. And then yeah. they all of a sudden start paying yeah. attention. Because the person with the mic is in control. Yeah. The person yeah. up there is the. And, and is that you're what peer the pressure is? What you mean? Positive what I mean, peer pressure? Well, because once you get enough of the group, you'll get 60 of them, 30 want to be there. 20 are like, yeah, 10 are like, nah. So if I get that one worse person and build some rapport and say, you know, I'm all right, you're okay, and have a bit of a joke, and, and then immediately they start tuning in because I've given them that love. Hmm. I've given them that attention. Them some attention. Yeah. You know, people get attention either by being a brat or being awesome. And I just want to, I want to validate and recognize people being awesome and give them a lot of love. Hmm. So they want that. I give them the carrot. And these guys sometimes the stick. You know, you've got to create boundaries. Hmm. You've got to be very, like, you know, I don't, muck around at mm. these events like if someone's giving me some shit i'll call them out in front of everyone mm. and i'll do it with love like a real smart ass well yeah man you've yeah, got to do it you've got me to, in you know? school and they yeah. end up just getting kicked out yeah <laughs> so do you kick people out if you ever had to uh, once once you kick once. someone out and you know what i'm devastated to do that to yeah well i'm devastated when i got to kick him out because yeah. then i feel like i failed him right yeah so creating that environment and when we're talking good stuff we're talking about their future we're talking about where they want to go i mean that's good stuff if they just tune into it you know, where do you want to be? How are you going to get there? Let's really talk about it at a grassroots level. Let's look at what are the things that are really holding you back in life. And a lot of them come in there and they've got blinders onto it. They don't even see because they've never really asked those questions. They've never really reflected. It's kind of like the onion, right? They've never really peeled back the layers. Mm. They just looked at the outer surface and thinking it's okay. But then they start looking, you know what? Yeah, I kind of doubt myself a lot. Or you know what? I actually do talk negatively and I never thought about it. Mm. And it's because I've got 28 hours of them being present, no mobile phones, no nothing, even in breaks, no phones. Self-reflection. No excuse to tune out from being present. Mm. That self-reflection creates Mm. a really powerful environment for them to go, okay, what is it that I really want? I've been so tuned into school and studies and the noise of the world. Two days of going, let's reflect on life. Let's look at these tools. That's an interesting thing about state of mind and strategy. That's good about comfort zones and taking responsibility. And that's an interesting thing you're talking about with regards to thoughts and results. And then they start to tune in. And then that's, that's how we make those shifts is, is because you create an environment where people start to really love themselves and get excited about what's motivation. Motivation very simply is getting excited about potential potential of a future mm. we could sit here all day and talk about let's let's come up with a 10-year vision for ourselves mm. about you know the businesses we have and where mm. we're going to go and let's start future pacing it we're going to get inspired because mm. so we're invested them. emotionally in it yeah, yeah you get invested you get emotionally enrolled in something you get you know excited Why and that's how you get by the out? end of it because they realize that you know they haven't focused on their dreams and goals before and they haven't realized that they could achieve so many great things. Why the crying, get well, look, the you know, I don't want to be dramatic about it, but people do like, well, there's two times when they cry at my events. So on the, on the Saturday night, we do a very cathartic process called a board break. And so we get a piece of wood and like a karate board and we write down um, all the things that are holding you back in life. And for some of these, some of these young people, they come in, they've got no idea, but we get them into an emotional state. I do it like a visualization, mm. get them close their eyes and, you know, what are, you know, what are some of the doubts you've had? Have people hurt you? Have you hurt people? Let people down? And they open their eyes and they write it down. 
And when they start writing, it's a very confronting thing because most people don't want to write down negative things about themselves like, mm. I feel fat, I'm ugly, no one loves me, um, I'm unworthy, um, I felt rejection. And they write it down and they'll fill up the whole board. Then on the other side, we write down all the positive things. So it's like moving away from, moving towards. And then we you know, go through the strategy and we get them kind of all into a really uh, hyped up mental state and they break the board. And that is a moment of like, <sighs> It's like a recognition that, you know what, there's some stuff going on, but this is where I want to go. Mm. And, and what about all the go. negatives in the book? Do you make them rip them out and set fire to them? Or is that something that they, I, they, they need there to reflect as like bad as energy or void? Well, it's a, refer- it's a reference yeah. like anything else. It's a reminder that this is the person I don't want to be. And I've made a decision of change. Mm. The second reason they cry is I do a, it's about a 15 minute guided visualization where essentially I get them close their eyes, play some music and I future pace. Let's look at your, uh, your life a year from now, two years, five years, 10 years and see your partner see mm. your children being born and mm. now look there's four learning modalities we have visual people we have auditory we have kinesthetic which is touch and audio digital which is thinkers yeah. 60% of the population are visual learners so not everyone visualizes very easily but most of my audience do mm. and so when they can see like see it as if it's real mm. it's emotional I remember and I've, I've never told this story actually um, uh, publicly outside of my events but I did one of these when I was 18 in my first seminar I was telling you about. I was mm. standing in the room, 200 adults, and he said, see yourself a year from now, two years. I what was the seminar? It was called Born Rich. It was based on a guy named Bob Proctor. Oh, yeah. You were born rich. And it was just, um, it, they've rebranded it now. Mm. But um, yeah. So, so you're standing there and you're- Standing there and, I, and all of a sudden, no joke, through my mind's eyes, as clear as I'm looking at you now, mm. I saw myself standing on a stage in front of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was at first, but for some reason I knew how old I was, 44. Mm-hmm. So I'm 36 now, so it's now in eight years time. Mm-hmm. 44, and I was standing ovation. Now look at the side, and there's my hero, Steven Spielberg, standing there with a long beard like Gandalf and a walking stick. <laughs> you know? And he hobbles over to me, and he gives me an Academy Award for Best Director. Wow. And I stand there, and I gave my speech. And I literally, as I'm standing there, giving this speech about how this has been my life's dream, and this is in you follow you. I started to cry. As 18, I'm just crying. Wow. And I never cried because I'm happy before. I never yeah. understood tears, but it was such a beautiful thing. And so what we do at my events is create such an emotional experience mm. that people see themselves further than they ever have before mm. in a life that they always dreamed of, mm. but can actually almost taste it and feel it. And like, it's there. Mm. And so that's about connecting to the pleasure and really forecasting five, 10, 20 years ahead and going, that can happen. You just gotta make a decision. Mm. You know, all this, how do I do it? And I'm feeling it right. Just get up and do it. We spend so long thinking about doing something, don't mm. we? And when we think about the decision, it becomes this big thing, right? We connect an emotion, a thought, emotional thought, and it becomes so much bigger than it needs to be. When we actually just do it, we go, wasn't that hard? Wasn't that hard? You know, life rewards look action. What I achieved. Yeah, life rewards action. Just get out and do it. And it's in the doing that you learn the lessons. And is, is it also about celebrating the small wins? 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Celebrating the small wins. And, and that's another thing, you know, it's about creating positive reinforcement for taking action. You know, it's, it, when we think about a belief, right? I have a belief that I'm a confident public speaker, or I have a belief that I'm terrible at maths. We're not born with these beliefs. We're not born with them. We're not born our mother's womb and go, wow, just, you know, don't like public speaking. You know, Mm. public speaking is the greatest fear of human beings. Number two is death. Number one is public speaking. Mm. So something along the line in our life has to have happened for us to create that belief. Mm. Think about this table and the legs. Mm. The table stands because there are legs underneath it. So the legs support the table to be true. 
A belief needs references. References are like evidence. So things that have happened that create the belief. The stronger your belief about something, the more references have validated that belief. Mm. So in order to change the belief, let's say it's a negative one, you've got to come up with new references. Mm. So if you're not a confident public speaker, get on the microphone and give it a go. Mm. And when the crowd gives you a round of applause for giving an answer, guess what you've done? You've created that one leg. And you've got to keep doing it. And that's how we change our beliefs is by taking action outside of our comfort zone. And that's how we do it. There's no other way. There's no reading books or thinking about it. You just got to get out there and do something. And the only way to do something is connect enough to the pleasure or be sick enough of the pain in your life that you go, I've had enough. You either hit rock bottom and go, it's time to do something. I've had enough, you know, or you really connect to the pleasure. And for me, it was about connecting to being a filmmaker mm. and saying, if I don't tackle filmmaking in my life and I'm 80 years old, mm. I'm going to be full of regret. And that's the saddest thing for anyone in their life when they finish and go, not the things they did, the things they didn't do. The risks they didn't take. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather regret the things that I did than the things yeah, I didn't do. That's right. So yeah. if, if someone doesn't have any hopes, goals, dreams, and like, you know, obviously it's, it's a lot of kids that, that you do your, um, your weekend courses for, how, how do you help them figure out what they really want to do at that age? Because yes. when I was 19, I had no fucking idea what I wanted totally. to do. Totally. That's a great question. Because I always ask the audience when I get to our career section, it was nearly at the end of the weekend. I said, hands up who knows what they want to do. And you get about 30%. Hands up who's got some idea. Another 30%. Who's got no idea? And so I think for those who have no idea, it's about firstly saying, well, just get out there and do something. I remember a guy named Brad Sugars, didn't know what he wanted to do when he finished school. So he just worked in about 15 or 20 jobs in the space of two years. Just went And it was within that Hi, Brad, process. if you're watching, he's, yeah. good, he's a good mate of mine. <laughs> I was at his 40th birthday party in Hawaii. Really? Yeah. Okay. So good you dude. know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so Brad, you know, quickly learned about what made a business work and what it didn't. And mm. then he set up Action International and, you know, the Action business, Coach. Yeah, yeah, one of the biggest business coaching companies on the planet. Yeah. And so it's in just doing something you're going to work it out. The second thing I would say is everyone's got a hobby. Everyone's got a passion. And mm. we know now with technology, you can make money doing all kinds of things. If yeah. you love video games, get a YouTube channel, start reviewing video games, go play. And you can video, make a lot of money go out work of that. In, Yeah, you can make a lot. <laughs> isn't it crazy? I yeah. mean, I know, there are people coming through my seminars now that literally are training to be professional gamers. Mm. Like full-time, this is my living. You know, there are, there are uh, I follow the Premier League. I'm a big, you know, a soccer fan, football, I should say. And each of the major, major clubs now in the world are paying players to represent their club 100 grand a year just mm. to play FIFA in tournaments. Wow. So, so if you don't know what you want to do, it's okay. Mm. You don't have to. And this is the one thing I want to make very clear. You don't have to go, this is my purpose and my dream. Mm. I mean, I've had, and we haven't talked about it, I've run a publicity company called mm. Kapow Media. I've run a US property buyers agency called Splash Property Group, buying <laughs> foreclosed homes, renovating and selling them. Wow. I've had my production company, Indianic Pictures, Tomorrow's Youth. So you can, I call it multi-potentialite. You can do whatever you want to do, but you just got to start doing something. And it's through the something that you'll find either that you hate it, then do the opposite of that, or you love it and continue on that path. But I think it's just about taking action and connecting to what do you love to do? And are there a, is there a career around that? Because there's so many things. You love animals? How many, things, how many jobs are there in the world or careers around animals, whether it's at the zoo or at a vet or what have you? I mean, in the zoo, there's 243, because I researched this, <laughs> as you do. 243 different occupations within the zoo. Not yeah. job positions, but different niches of yeah. a career. So yeah. I think find a passion, sorry, work out what your hobbies are and pursue that. Or just like I said with Brad, mm. scan, do something. Yeah, like um, I was uh, actually another interview that we had on the show, uh, Dr. DiMartini. I know, yeah, yeah, John. Institute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he was talking the other night. I went to see his, um, 
his chat about I think it's the uh, the ten principles of yeah. success or it was something along those lines and. Uh, we, he was talking about the same subject where there were some people in the crowd that had no idea what they wanted to do with their life, their life, no idea what direction they wanted to head. And one lady um, in the audience, she's standing up, she's trying to figure it out. She said she doesn't doesn't have any passion or goals or dreams. He goes, yeah, you do. What do you like doing? And she goes, well, I don't know. I like playing with my dog. And and he said, well, there's a start. Yeah. Let's let's build a business around around you playing with your dog. Anyway, fast forward a few years later, that lady's got like a twenty million dollar business around looking after dogs, and yeah. you know, I think it's like dog toys and stuff like that. So you're so right, just about finding your passion and realizing, hang on a minute, I love this for a reason. I can turn yeah. this into a job. Whatever it is, there's a job around it. You ask enough questions, the answers will come, and this is the problem: people don't ask questions anymore. I'm constantly asking questions. That's why I have this show. And here we are. And we yeah. can ask questions for days and days longer. <laughs> but but you've got a, a hectic schedule running all those businesses so we're going to let you fly but thank you so much for, for coming on the mic my Tell pleasure where can people find you firstly to do your weekend course yes and secondly yes. we want to have a look at some of your films where can yes you see them yes yes films? so so for the seminars uh we run them up up and down the east coast uh so in sydney byron bay melbourne canberra soon to be newcastle and brisbane uh, our website's tomorrowsyouth.com.au. So the names empower you, but our business is tomorrowsyouth.com.au. On there, there's a plethora of videos and testimonials and all the information you need to make a decision. Uh, age range is 13 to 25. If anyone's probably wondering what age group, 13 to 25. So that's the seminars. Uh, and we're on Instagram and Facebook and all that other Snapchat. I don't even know. Tomorrow's Youth. Yeah, Tomorrow's Youth. That's Excellent. what you need to know. Um, so films. Um, my production company is called Indianic Pictures. So indianicpictures.com.au. All the shorts are on there. We've got a blog updating what we're allowed to talk about publicly about the film stuff. Mm. Um, another film, you may have heard of a story, uh, Jesse Martin. He was the youngest person to sail around the world solo. Yeah. And, yeah. So I've got the rights to his story. Oh, fantastic. So we've been developing a feature film for the last two years. I've got some big time producers on board. People that produce yeah. Moulin Rouge and Romeo and Juliet wow. so that for me my film turning point yeah. will be the step to then right. go 30 million dollar budget okay Lionheart and, and the next one and the yeah, next yeah, one yeah. and the next one that's great man hopefully well done <laughs> Stay it, in it's race. such a long process it takes it years yeah. and, and getting the bases loaded with you know the best director the best producer you know the, the best actors yeah. and then, then you go okay look what I've got here how about some money and, yeah. and you can hit up you know Film Victoria Film Australia and, and eventually mm. someone will give you the cash but it takes forever and Good on you for sticking with it and, and making your dreams a reality and helping other people to make their dreams a reality. Thank you. Thanks for having Legend. me. Legend. Thanks for being Appreciate on the show. It. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 